0: Back, everyone, to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I'm here with Rob. And Rob, I hope my audio works a little bit better than it did last time. It was a little rough, but we uh, made it back. Rob, since you can hear my voice clearly, how are you doing? How's Chapel Hill? How's school going?
1: It's great, man. Two weeks into school, three weeks if you count orientation. So everything's going good here. Uh, and we got to give you. Dustin, a little bit of credit, man. You were at your lake house, you know, when we did the last podcast. So I don't think anyone's holding the sound against you, but hopefully it is better this time.
0: I hope hope so too. And, you know, we're going to get into some different stuff. We're we're going to do our our famous yearly position rankings for football. And historically, I've been really bad at this, Uh, but I think this year is going to be a little bit easier to determine we've got some position groups that are really good and so that should make it fun and interesting rob and i have not discussed our rankings and so i'll be interested to see uh what we do Robert. we you want to start at five and go up or you want to start at the top and go down
1: let's start at five and go up and then uh we'll kind of give the explanation for best of the rest uh okay. afterwards
0: sounds good Sounds good. And we're also going to talk some basketball. Basketball's finishing up. Men's basketball's finishing up their tour in Italy. They played uh, KK Mega again a second time and actually won in overtime, which is a good sign. And we'll talk about kind of the what that trip and, and what it did for, for, the, for the players. But before we do that, uh, we're going to do football first. So, Rob... Why don't you uh, start off by telling me your number five position for the UV
1: football team this year? All right, let's do it. So, I would say the way I put together these rankings, I'm very confident in the top two, and then I'm pretty confident at the bottom, and then starting at number five. Uh, where we're going to start here is a little dicey. You know, you could rank yeah. these a number of different ways, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I'll say the fifth best position group on the team is the secondary, which includes the safeties and linebackers, or excuse mm-hmm. me, safeties and cornerbacks. Um, and I actually feel okay about the cornerbacks. I think Anthony Johnson is going to have another really good season. I'm excited he returned for his super senior year. Uh, and Finchel Cypress, you know, to anyone who subscribes to The Athletic, uh, Tony Elliott said that he felt that Finchrell Cypress had the best spring of anyone in the secondary. So that's really promising with our corners. The safeties is where it gets interesting because it's a brand new safety room. You know, it's really been the same few guys the last few years, Devonte Cross, Joey Blunt, uh, Nick Grant. So there's a lot of new faces now. And right now the starting lineup appears to have uh, Lex Long and Aiden Ryan uh, two members of the class in 2021 as the starters. Uh, And look, it looks like they're moving uh, Darius Braden into that field safety role, which is more of a hybrid linebacker position. Maybe Antonio Clary plays there, but a lot of new people in that secondary. So I'm excited about the future. And I think there's a lot of young talent in that group that we haven't seen yet. Um, So yeah, in my opinion, I think they're the fifth best position group. What do you think, Dustin?
0: You know, I actually agree. I think that yeah, I was kind of juggling back and forth, right? Because, as you said, secondary, there's a lot of new faces, and over the past couple seasons, our secondary has been a really weak spot for this uh, for this team. I think that with what you were saying, with some experience and then some new guys coming in too, I think that it's it's you know more likely that they will be better than than the past couple of years. They really can't do much worse than they did especially the past two years and um, you know poor Brennan really last year tried to win every game and sometimes he just could not outscore the other team simply because they would just shoot over us uh, on the in the secondary so yeah I'm hoping that this year it's a little bit better I'm hoping that they can step it up a little bit but I think that that's why I have them at five because they're kind of bottom bottom middle of the pack
1: yeah no I mean I would agree with that and again I do think there's talent here and I think it's telling that class of 2021 you know there's going to be a lot of pieces um, a lot of guys that play from that class like we said Lex Long and Aiden Ryan appear to have been not up on the safety spots but Jonas Sankar who's been hurt for a while but he played a lot last year and looked pretty good in my opinion mm-hmm. um at corner you know you have a lot of younger guys that have, really haven't had a chance yet elijah Gaines, uh dave harard so you know it, it's a class with a lot of potential a group with a lot of potential anthony johnson is kind of the proven guy and darius Braden has played a little bit um although he'll be in a different role this year it appears but it they're just not proven yet. So I'm really excited to see what they can do. I think there's a lot of talent and I can see this group being ranked much higher next year. Uh, But I think five is fair for now.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. I agree. All right, Rob, number four, who you got?
1: I'll go with linebackers at number four. And linebackers are different this year. You know, before when we had the 3-4 defense or even the 3-3-5 last year, uh, linebackers included outside linebackers and inside linebackers. And this year, linebackers are pretty much the two inside guys. There's not really an outside linebacker. Mm -hmm. So the two inside guys that are starting right now are Nick Jackson and Josh Ahern. Nick Jackson, I think, is going to benefit tremendously from the scheme switch. And Josh Ahern is finally healthy and appears to have the nod up on that second job. Uh, But I really like the depth here as well. You know, James Jackson is a guy the staff feels really high on. They say they feel like he has the most potential of anyone in that room. So he and Hunter Stewart are kind of running with the second team. Uh, Deshaun Perry, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a role in pass rushing situations. So I'm excited about the top two or the top two groups, maybe even the top three in the depth chart. So I think there's potential there to be tapped into. What do you feel?
0: I actually had the defensive line at four. I think the only reason is because, you know, we're losing, um, uh, oh, shoot, um, Alonzo, who yep. uh, tied the team in sacks last year along with uh, your your classmate now, Noah Taylor.
1: <laughs> That's right, and, yeah.
0: <laughs> and um, so, I, you know, and behind him, you know, we have Famui, who we've, we've seen for a while. Smiley, your guy who you talked about last week who you're excited to see again. There's a couple other younger guys in the middle there, but they're unproven in uh, some aspects of that. I think that, you know, another thing, our defense last year, not great, especially two years ago against the run. Our defense was not that good at all. And so, you know, I just remember playing against Carolina where they would just run off like 10 yards at a time. felt like Felt like any team could really just run against our defense. And so, uh, with the new experience, with the new scheme, I'm hoping that that this could uh, – that, that, you know, they can be better. And I think that with the experience, especially with Famui, I think that we can get there. Uh, I have a question for you. Do you – with the new bandit position, are you including that with the linebackers or the, the defensive line?
1: I'm including that with the defensive line. Okay. Okay. So the way the coaching is set up, we have one coach that coaches the defensive tackles, um, which are, you know, the two interior guys. And then we have one coach that coaches the defensive ends and bandits, mm-hmm. uh, that coach being Chris Slade. So okay. I, I feel like it's best to kind of group those in together. Although a lot of people that are playing bandit were outside linebackers in the old scheme.
0: Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense because the outside linebackers, you know, Noah Taylor was the linebacker technically, but oftentimes he would rush the rush the edge. So if you look on the uh Virginia sports roster for the football team, it doesn't say bandit or defensive line or or linebacker, it says edge. And so it's really all these edge players that are coming in. Rob, for those who don't know about the bandit position, would you explain what it is and, and why it you know why it's more exciting?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I think the best way to look at this defense is as a four, two, five. So we talked about having two linebackers on the field um, and on the defensive line, there's basically four guys that are always going to be on the line of scrimmage and three of them are going to have their hand in the dirt. And then the other is going to be a stand-up player. And that's the bandit. If you think of a four man front, think of your defensive tackles and kind of a traditional sense. Uh, you know, you'll have a one technique, technique. You know, two guys on the interior. Then you're going to have the defensive end. So the defensive end, think of him as more of a strong side end. Um, a bigger player, he's going to have his hand in the dirt. Right now it looks like Cam Butler is the favorite to start there. But they also brought in Paul Akir, Jack Camper, two other transfers that are going to have a role there. Uh, so then if you go to the other side of the line on the weak side, that's where the bandit is going to play. So the bandit is always going to be on the line of scrimmage, but he's going to be a stand-up player. And I would say most likely he's going to be uh rushing the passer most plates and they hope is that that guy's going to be a dynamic pass rusher. Um but he's a stand-up player. So he also has the ability to drop in the coverage more easily. So I would guess most of the time that the player is coming after the quarterback, but he doesn't always have to. So that bandit position that's going to be more of your traditional outside linebacker in a 3 4. So, right now, the two favorites to start there are probably Mike Green and Chico Bennett, but I'd also think Jonathan Horton, you know, just kind of those stand up outside linebacker guys that we're used to in the 3 4. So, that's kind of the distinction between uh, the group on the defensive line. But I, I'm actually glad you brought them up because I have the defensive line as number three in my list. Uh-huh. Um, And I think, as we kind of just went through, I think the staff did a good job bringing in transfers, especially at defensive end. Uh, The interior guys now, you've got a bit of depth bringing in Devontae Davis uh, from South Carolina. You know, I'd say the starters there are probably uh, Aaron Famui and Jameer Carter, although I'd expect Ben Smiley to rotate in a lot. Uh, You have Sue there. So I think there's good depth for those two positions. And I think the staff was smart to bring in a lot of depth at the defensive end position as well.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, I had the linebackers, so we we flipped on those. But I it, I think our top two are probably gonna be the same two positions, my yeah. <laughs> guess. But, it, but but what I was saying, I, I was I was kind of thinking the band as more of a li- the linebacking position, kind of like the like the edge rusher that we had last year, especially because they can drop in coverage. That's kind of why I had it there, and I think it's a really cool dynamic position that I'm really kind of excited to see. How they how they implement it and what kind of schemes they can run out of it because I think that you know it can confuse hopefully confuse offenses and and get some more openings up. I just I think with the linebackers I really like um, Jackson and and what he's been doing and you know he's you know led the team in tackles and he's one of the best linebackers in the ACC coming up on his junior year. And I think that, you know, he's I think he's got something to prove a little bit, considering that he's got all this production, but not necessarily being talked about maybe for being drafted super highly or, you know, he is he he has been nominated for some awards for some for some awards like nationally. But like when I think of the linebackers, I think of Nick Jackson. And so I think that when he's like kind of the face, I feel like UVA a lot of time has these like really great interior linebackers that kind of anchor the whole defense I think especially over the past couple of years we've had some really great ones I think Nick Jackson is probably one of the best that I've seen in my time as a fan just in how how he runs downhill he doesn't miss a lot of a lot of holes or gaps and he yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do this year and uh, once again you know with the edge piece to and you know you're putting it with the with the defensive line, I put with the linebackers. I think that that's a really interesting piece. So I'm, I'm excited for what the linebackers can do this year.
1: Yeah. And to your point with the bandit role, you know, that's kind of what's cool about this defense is it is going to be really flexible. There's going to be times where it looks like a four, two, five. There's going to be times where that field safety and the nickel roll is going to crash down and it's going to look like a three, four. Uh, you know it's going to be versatile which I think is going to be exciting to watch and to your point the linebackers you know I think Nick Jackson was a player uh, you know he played great last year but I think him like a lot of the other linebackers are going to really benefit from this scheme change Uh, that 335 is tough to run that we ran last year and those linebackers did a lot of read and reacting a lot of where their assignments were were dictated based off of what the defensive line did. So, you know, these guys had to not only play in space, but they also had to read and react really quickly. This defense is gonna be far less complicated in that sense. And remember, most of these guys were recruited as three, four inside linebackers, which is clog the box and play downhill. And I think that's what this defense is gonna allow them to do as well. So I'm expecting a big bounce back season, not only from Nick Jackson, but from these linebackers in general. And, you know, no one's really flashy in this group yet, but I think there's a lot of really steady players in here. Um, yeah. So, you know, we talked about Nick Jackson a lot, but Ahern, Hunter Stewart, you know, mm-hmm. all those guys, James Jackson, I think there's good depth here as well. So I, I have no problem putting them at number three either.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, Rob, number two, and subsequently, number one. Who is your number, what are, sorry, what group is your number two uh, position? ranking?
1: I'll say quarterbacks. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it could go either way, really. Uh, quarterbacks, Brennan Armstrong's awesome. Um, and, but I think the big reason you feel confident putting them so high is the backup situation as well with mm-hmm. Jay Wolfo. Um And last year, that was really unsettled. We didn't really know who the backup quarterback was going to be. You know, Going into camp, was it going to be Ira Armstead? You remember Jacob Rodriguez was playing there for a bit. Um, and Woolfolk. So I think Wolfolk. you know, the question with him really isn't him being the backup next season. It's really what's going to happen down the line. Is he going to play football and baseball? Is he going to go either or? Um, so I think that's something that's still up in the air. But I think as far as having a starter, an uh, all-ACC, potential all-American caliber player in Brendan Armstrong, and then having a backup like Jay Wolf, um, I think you got to feel really good about that position.
0: Yeah, and apparently, from what I've heard, Wolfolk had a great uh, summer camp and has been doing great in kind of the training camp leading up to the start of the season. I, I think that I'm excited to see him. It, I hope he continues to pursue uh, football because I know a lot of times, sometimes dual sport athletes, like uh, like Wolfolk is, will choose one or the other. And, of course, he plays baseball. was a really great uh, relief pitcher this past season for the for the uva team and i just hope that yeah he sticks with it uh and i think that he can do both i think the coaches did a good job of letting him do both because because uh, he because he's got a cannon uh on the mound and i think that he could bring that to the field kind of in a similar way that brennan does this year brennan can heave it and i think that Wolfolk, i think we can see some of that uh Hopefully we don't see it too much this year, uh, but next year for sure, I think I'm excited to, to see him uh, to grow. And I agree um, about Brennan being All-American, All-Caliber. I have a question for you. Do you think that there's any chance that Brennan will get Heisman buzz either at the beginning of the season or in the middle
1: of the season? I'd be surprised. I'll admit that. But I will say the schedule sets itself up for where maybe that's somewhat possible. You know, we'll we'll preview the schedule next week. We got a full football season preview coming then. But, you know, the schedule allows UVA to ease into the season. And that's not to say they're going to start off six and zero or seven and oh or anything like that. But it gives them time to gel. Um, and the real difficult portion of the schedule is going to be at the back end. So if Brendan Armstrong comes in and puts up great numbers and say UVA is five and one or you know six and two, whatever it may be, if Brendan Armstrong is really lighting it up again, sure, I could see that. But yeah, I mean, when you talk Heisman, you got talk, you gotta talk national championship contender. So yeah. I, I think we're probably not there, but uh, you know, I certainly could see him making a lot of noise again this year.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like it's unfair, but I th- I think that a lot of it has to do with success. So if this team is successful, like a lot of people think it can be, I think Brennan will be right up there with some of the other people. It's also tough because, you know, a lot of the voters and a lot of the like kind of hype around the Heisman is all about that that Heisman moment, you know, the the, the moment where like the player takes over the game and it's clear that they're the best player not just on the field, but in the country. And I think that, you know, in the ACC, in the ACC, we don't get a lot of moments like that against really good teams where he's going to get that chance. You know, like, you know, if Clemson's good this year and we meet him in the championship game, that's a long way away, but, you know, maybe he gets a moment there or something. But I think that, it's unfortunate because he's really talented and probably should get some NFL looks next season or at the end of this season. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I had quarterbacks one. Okay. Well,
1: before, before we hop into receivers and tight ends, which I guess is your number two, my number yeah. one, uh, the one thing I will say to your point with like Heisman moments is it's so easy to get caught up in like our own little bubble, kind of like yeah. we did last year. You know, we, you know, if, if a coach has said something in an interview, I've read it or listened to it, you know, like we both follow this team so closely. Um, but obviously not everyone does. And while we were, you know, acutely aware of how good Brandon Armstrong was last season, not everyone in college football was. And you think about the game that could have been his quote unquote Heisman moment, you know, that was Notre Dame. That was primetime, top 10, national, nationally televised, and he didn't play that game. Yeah. So, you know, I think people know Brennan Armstrong is a good quarterback, but he probably doesn't have that national level of exposure um, that you know maybe some other guys do, a Tyler Van Dyke, Leary, you know, all those other guys. But anyway, transitioning into number one, you're number two. Again, you could put these either way, and I'd be happy. It's yeah, it's wide receiver, tied in. one A, one
0: B, one A, yeah,
1: and they're correlated too. You know, mm-hmm. Brennan Armstrong makes them better, and they also make some great catches. Um, I will say this group could be even better. You know, it's unfortunate Malachi Fields hurt his foot. I'm not sure when he's going to be coming back, but he's been on a scooter recently in practice. Seems like he's out for at least a good bit of time. Um, and Virginia's top recruit in the last year's class, uh, Dak Tweedy, he tore his ACL, which is unfortunate that he's going to be out this year as well. So you know, it's crazy to think this group could be even deeper, but it already is so deep. I mean, Lavelle Davis seems to have really stepped up. Um, you know, we already know what Don Tavian Wicks can do. Billy Kemp and Keaton Thompson in the slot is exciting. And you have two really fast guys, two really high upside players as well. And Demi Starling uh, and Devin Chandler, the transfer from Wisconsin. So this group is far from top heavy. Um, so... You know, From talent to depth, I I love this wide receiver room. I think it's so versatile. And they're so fun. They can do a lot of different stuff, too. You've
0: got the deep threat in Lavelle Davis and the end zone target in Lavelle Davis. You've got Dontavian Wicks, who can also go deep, uh, but he's also a great possession receiver. Billy Kemp, probably, a, a, you know, he's a great 10-yard receiver guy. He can shake pretty much anyone. And he's so shifty. Uh, yards after catch for him are... No problem at all, and you know we see that with the punt returns too, uh, with Kim. So I think that yeah, and they're just so they're so fun to watch, and they make great catches. Yeah, you think about a bunch of great catches over the past couple of years made by these receivers, um, from you know one handed grabs to touchdowns to just breaking wide open. So they're really fun to watch, and you know they, as you said, they go right with Brennan too. Like they're they're pretty much honestly, it's one position. It's like the the throwing position, the the, yeah. air, the yards by air position because they do they do so much work together. And of course, a lot of that this year is going to come down to offensive line play. A lot of that, I think that if we can get our offensive line where it needs to be, we're going to be totally good. If the offensive line is not as good, I think that puts more pressure on. The receivers to get open quicker, and for Brennan to release that faster, of course. And I I think that um, I think Brennan is more likely to be able to make a quicker decision than the receivers are to just get open faster. Um, So that's why I had them kind of where I did.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a good transition. Offensive line did not make our top five (laughs) position units, obviously. Uh, So, you know, the groups that we left off would be running backs, offensive line, and special teams. Offensive line, you know, again, it's kind of like the secondary. There's a lot of talented players there. That class of 2021 was a really good recruiting class for the offensive line, and we could have three of those players starting. You know, I feel pretty good about Logan Taylor, Noah Josie and Ty Furnish all starting. So, you know, it's just A, how quickly do they get the experience, and B, they really need to gel together. And that's been a concern this fall camp is so many guys have been hurt, and thankfully it hasn't really been any season-ending, you know, month-long injuries. But this group has been rotating almost every day just because one day some guys are available, another day some guys aren't. Um, So John Paul Flores, the transfer, you know, he's playing – four different positions right now Um, but offensive line is going to be an issue and it's going to take some time to put together but to your point I think I think they're gonna have to scheme around that and I don't think Brennan Armstrong is going to be able to drop back and read the defense for three or four seconds like he did last year you know I think it's going to be a lot of quick passes uh, a lot of play action you know boots one way or the other I think they're gonna have to scheme around it because you know, maybe by the end of this year, this offensive line is looking better. Uh, but I do expect it to take some time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it'll be interesting to see what how they how they stand out. One group I did want to – well, I, I guess we can touch on the other groups. But, you know, special teams, there's a lot of new faces this year. And I think that that's, that's kind of hesitant for me. We do have the number one rated place kicker. Coming to UVA as a freshman, I don't know if he'll if he'll get the if he'll get the nod, but you know that's exciting. I guess uh, we also have a new grad uh, grad transfer punter who uh, replacing our last transfer punter Finn from last year, which is a great name for a punter, I think. <laughs> um, and Finn was great. Finn was an awesome punter, had a lot of great moments last year of pinning people down way back in their territory. So that was a bright spot. Also, you know, we got Billy Kemp coming back uh, as a returner, really solid returner. I, I'm very happy with where the special teams is and how they've been coached in the past. It'll be interesting to see if we do anything different this year with, uh, with new staff.
1: Yeah, and the guy that gets left out of all this is Brendan Farrell, who Uh was originally a punter, handed our kicking duties most of last year. You know, UVA has had some great kicker recruits come in over the past several years. You know, Hunter Pearson was a highly rated recruit. So was Justin Dunkel. Unfortunately, both of those guys had knee injuries and really haven't been able to see them. But hopefully Will Bettridge is the freshman kicker you're talking about. Hopefully he can uh, seize the job. I think it's good that we bring in daniel sparks the punter um you know at minimum give us depth there and if he's not ready to punt then maybe brendan farrell is but there is going to be competition there and i'm curious like you said punt returner kick returner um you know billy kemp handled the punt returning duties last year but he was also playing hurt and came back from a pretty significant ankle surgery uh that you know really limited him in the back half of the year so yeah, I'm curious to see now that he's probably got his quickness back, you know, how he looks back there. But I could also see Devin Chandler taking on those roles. And I know they've worked Amik Starling at kick return as well. So there's a lot of speed there. So, you know, I don't think they make the top five just because it's so many new faces, uh, a lot of them unproven. But Mm -hmm. I I do think there's potential there to have a good season.
0: Yeah, I I think think we'll see as they go forward. And you know, how they go. Farrell's Farrell did really good last year. You know, he, he only missed two field goals and he made all his extra points, which were a lot. There was 43 of them. So he he was very consistent. You know, longest field goal was only 43, 48, somewhere, somewhere around there. And so he's not booting it like like some people can, but he's pretty consistent, pretty accurate and i think it's just like some of that power he doesn't doesn't have in the kicking game so we'll see we'll see what happens with them and of course the last position we haven't talked about yet is the running backs and we've just been you know it, we we said this several times last year it's like why would any running back want to come play <laughs> for robert and i and in that offense because they're they were used as a blocker they were used as an extra blocker in the back we'll talapapa bless his heart, uh, was just protecting Brennan the whole time, which is very important, but not quite what a lot of running backs probably want to do the whole game. So, you know, last year I famously said that running backs would be in the top five positions, <laughs> um, which was incorrect. And I think that it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they're being used this year because, uh, uh, Coach Elliott has said that he is going to use them more, and they will be utilized, and the running game is going to be a priority for this team. So, Rob, I, I'm curious if you have any thoughts about how they're going to use the run game more, especially with an offensive line that is questionable.
1: Yeah, well, we know they're going to try to run the ball a lot more, and I think the offense is going to – it's not going to be – a. Exact copy of that Clemson offense, but I think it'll be pretty close, which means they're going to run the ball primarily out of the shotgun. There may be some pistol looks. You know, they're making a big deal of having Brennan Armstrong under center. You know, there's probably going to be some plays where he's under center, but I still think the majority of the time he'll be in the shotgun. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious how long they're going to stick to it. And, you know, in the spring game, it's not really fair to judge him off that because so many people were hurt, but they had trouble running the football. And it didn't matter really if it was Mike Collins, Ahmad Faustin. Um, they just had trouble running the football. So, if it doesn't work early in the season, I'm curious how long they'll stick with it. But really, the main story at running back is who, if anybody, is going to seize that job. And we talked about this a little bit last week. You know, Mike Collins really hasn't taken the job. Uh, this spring, they brought in uh, Cody Brown, the transfer running back from Miami. Uh, Seems Amon Faustin has been hurt for a little bit, but Ronnie Walker uh, is practicing again. So it looks like he may be ahead of schedule, hopefully returning in September. So there's a lot of names bouncing around. And truth be told, really doesn't matter to me who steps up and seizes the job. Right now it's Paris Jones, but it could be any of them. Um, But I think they're just really looking for someone to emerge there. And if they don't, then it's probably going to be by committee um, and leveraging the strengths of each one of those running backs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and as you said, we're going to see as the season goes on, how they do. I feel like, you know, I think about, you know, transitions between coaches and styles. One thing that I think of probably too often is Georgia tech's transition from the triple option to just kind of a normal football team. And they really struggled to do that and actually use a lot of triple options. Yeah. Uh, I'm forgetting his name, but in their new coach's first year Jeff Collins. Yeah, used a lot of triple option, even though he's like, I don't run, I don't do triple <laughs> option. But that's all the players they had. So, you know, in the system that Bronco built, are they gonna be able to run the ball consistently or are they gonna be like, Look, we've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country. We've got a great receiving core. Let's just Let's just bomb it every time and see what happens, which is kind of what happened last year. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how they stick with it.
1: Yeah, and I think the whole idea they've been talking about is they don't necessarily have to run the ball, you know, the same number of times that they throw it, but mm-hmm. they're talking about being able to manage the game, which I get. Uh, you know, I, I think there's this idea floating around out there that, you know, Last year, a lot of the struggles were because the offense was so good and the defense doesn't really have a chance to rest. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much I buy into that, honestly. Like, you know, the offense was a strength last season. I think, yeah, maybe the defense didn't have enough time to rest, but I would take that offense pretty much any day of the week. Um, But the whole idea is being able to manage the game. So, you know, if the defense does need a break, you can run the ball and take off 40 seconds from the clock instead of having to throw it. Um, So it's, managing the game its versatility um so i think it's a great question i don't know how long they're going to stick with a run game especially if it doesn't work but you know i think they're going to try at least
0: yeah yeah and so we'll you know we'll see how it goes and a lot of this is pure speculation you know we're not we don't know the injuries that will occur we don't know the players that will step up and and play really well we don't know how the opponents a lot of our opponents are going to be this year too so it, it'll be a lot of kind of guesswork but i'm i'm excited honestly i i i'm really looking forward to brennan's last year of leading this team i think that i think he has something to prove as well you know especially to the uh, nfl scouts who um i think he's climbing a little bit but i think he's still got something to prove to those scouts that he can play at the next level i think a lot of these players do and i'm i'm excited to see them step up and take it
1: yeah i totally agree on the nfl scouts but i thought his answer was great too on the acc network camp tour the other week is he really wants to prove something from a team perspective too and the way he described it which is you know accurate is that he's a 500 quarterback the two years that he started they they, being UVA, went 5-5, five and five, and then last year they were 6-6. Six and six. So as great as he's been, you know, he wants to win games. Bryce Perkins had the ACC championship uh, game, the Orange Bowl, and I think Brendan Armstrong wants to replicate that. And he said the goal is 10 wins. That might be hard, but I respect the team aspect there as well. And, hey, you know, you think back to last
0: year. We, I feel like the team had 10 wins in them last year. And we just there's just like certain things that you know Brennan gets injured against BYU, and there's a couple you know tough game like against Pitt for example, tough close game against Pitt, who yeah also had a really great quarterback in Pickett, and I think you know just things didn't quite always go our way last year, which is which was tough, and so some of it's you know part of the, part of the game is some there's some luck aspect, but part of the game is also you know staying healthy. And just, uh, just doing what you need to do. And I think that I think Brennan can do it. I think that this team can do it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how they uh, inaugurate Elliot. I saw um, on Twitter someone posted like every UVA coach's first year. Um, I forget who it was,
1: I think it was Knackle. But yeah,
0: I think it was. Yeah, I, I think it was. But uh, Danny Nickel, shout out. If it wasn't you, you know, still shout out, but, you know, <laughs> might be someone else. But anyway, it was like every coach that comes in here does really bad their first year. I think Broncos, you know, Broncos two and 10 London, uh, London didn't do so well first year. Yeah,
1: London was four and eight.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's tough to come in and play, I, luckily for us, the program is not in the trash. It's actually built up by Bronco. And so I think, I think Elliot's going to break that cycle.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. I think in the past like 50 or 60 years, the best record for a first year UVA head coach was actually Al Groh, who went five mm-hmm. and seven. So I think there's a really, I would say, pretty good chance UVA can break that. Tony Elliott, that is. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree. I agree. Rob, any last words on football, position rankings, anything like that?
1: No, I, I hope we did a good enough job, uh, but definitely, definitely ready to close things out with some basketball news because yes. uh, that last scrimmage was pretty exciting. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
0: Yes. So, uh, for those who, you know, haven't been following so closely or really caught up in football, the UVA, uh, UVA Cavaliers went to Italy for a, uh, trip, uh, you know, the, the whole basketball team went, uh, for, the, for those who don't know, uh, NCAA teams can go once every four years, which gives every player an opportunity if they stay for four years to go on a uh, trip, which is really great. It's great um, for a lot of different reasons. You get extra practice, you get to bond with your team, and you get to play some you know teams that are really experienced and play all the time, and are just developmental programs. Um, UVA took on three different teams. We played one of them twice. The first two games weren't really that close. Um, the And the third game wasn't really close either. We lost by uh, 19 against KK Mega, which is a Serbian developmental program. And a lot of people saw this and were like, oh, this is really bad. You know, I saw some people being like, you know, Kihei and restarted started this game together. You know, they hadn't in the previous two games. Is that, you know, does that have something to do with it? Um, but no, KK Meg is just a really good program. And uh, mm-hmm. they they developed Jokic, uh, MB, MVP for the NBA. And so they, they are legit. They are full-grown men, and they played physical basketball. Uh, there's a couple other things, too. But, Rob, when you... When you heard that we had lost to a Serbian team, what what was your reaction and like how did you feel about that? Because a lot of people felt negatively.
1: Yeah, well, my initial reaction is especially after UVA really cruised through the first two games. I was a little surprised before I did my research and mm-hmm. figured out that it was actually a pretty good opponent they were playing. Uh, but you know, these games are here for them to experiment. Now, for me, you know, irrespective of opponent kind of the concerning part was the lineup that started that third game was basically our starting lineup from last year, just putting in uh, Vanderplass for Gardner, I believe was the only difference in the starting lineup. Yeah. Uh, So it was a little concerning with that, but then kind of once I realized the level of competition, you know, kind of eased my concerns, I guess, a little bit. But did you have a similar or different reaction there?
0: It was kind of just like, you know – Because it's interesting because the basketball team has been doing great about sending out highlights and and a few stats, but they really haven't shown us a lot of stats. They'll do like points, rebounds, assists, and that's about it. So we don't really see turnovers. We don't see fouls. We don't see shots taken, how many shots taken. We don't see three-pointers attempted. So there's a lot missing. There's a lot of context missing from – from the, from the stats, and, you know, we get it, we did a little bit here and there, you know, Virginia sports will put out some stuff, uh, streaking the lawn's been great about, you know, trying to recap the games, but, you know, they only have so much, and I'm not even sure that they, I mean, I guess they had some official stats, but I'm not sure that they had all nine stats being mm-hmm. taken care of by someone during the game, um, so, you know, when you think about that kind of stuff, it's... It's just, you know, makes you question what went wrong. Like, did we miss 33 pointers in this game? Which I think actually it came out that we missed a lot of three pointers. Um, was there foul trouble? Was there, you know, did we turn over, the, turn over the ball? Did we, did they hit a lot of tough shots that, you know, where we were playing good defense? So there's a lot of unknowns here, as well as the fact that these are development players. They only, they like just play basketball all day. And, um. We we're playing uh, FIBA rules, which is a little bit different. It's quarters, and there's some different rules that yeah, go on. Twenty-four
1: with second shot clock.
0: Twenty-four second shot clock. Um, and so, my guess is that we just got punched in the mouth and just kind of lost steam towards the end. Because if you look at the quarter scores that the official Twitter account put out, we we were keeping it close, and then and the second half they just kind of pulled away a little bit. So you know. It's disappointing. It's it's not even disappointing really because it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. I'd much prefer them to lose now, than in March or in December or in February. I think that I think that losing's really helpful sometimes. It can kind of shift the gears on a team, especially a team that has kind of high aspirations like this one does. And to kind of see you know what they can do better is kind of I think good for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's echoing almost word for word from what Tony Bennett said too, is, you know, the first two games when they won by like 50 and then 30 or whatever it was like, Mm -hmm. you don't really learn anything from those games, but you learn from when you're challenged. Um, Mm -hmm. So the first game was a lot of the starters that played last year and, you know, UVA has been sitting three players per game. So it's been essentially a nine man rotation. Um, So then it was kind of interesting. I was kind of excited to see how the last game would go, which is, you know, a win in double overtime, which was really exciting. And, you know, I think some of it is a credit to Tony Bennett because, you know, he didn't scout the team for the third game. And then after the game, obviously, he had a chance to scout them before playing them the next night. Um, But some of it's a testament to the freshmen too. You know, that final game uh, where UVA won in double overtime, The three players that sat for UVA were Caden Shedrick, Jaden Gardner, and Armand Franklin. So three of the starters from last year. And I think actually to start either the first overtime or the second overtime, UVA put out a lineup that included all of the freshmen plus Kihei Clark at the point guard. So, you know, Tony Bennett gave them a big opportunity to really contribute against a high level opponent. Um, and I think Kihei and Reese were really the stars of the show in the final game where UBA won. But at the same time, the freshmen got a chance to play and, by all accounts, held their own.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you you exactly right. You know, learned a lot from the first game. We're able to take some of that into the second game, and you know, got you know, double overtime is tough, right? It's a huge mental thing as well. Um, you know, KK Mega hit a buzzer beater kind of to end the um to end the regular periods which is can be deflating but they but they kept it up I think that's you know having Kihei on the court is just really so solid because he's he's seen everything from you know the Purdue game and the Auburn game and the Texas Tech game and and the Duke game last year like all these times that he's been on the court were these buzzer be- his he's hit shots against Tech so he knows how it goes Um and he and Reese really took over, as you said. Um they each had over twenty points, which was good. Sorry, I gotta find the exact stat. Yeah, uh had twenty three and Reese had twenty one, which is, you know, amazing and what we wanted. Um McNeely played really well, had fifteen points, made a couple of threes as well. And we didn't really have our main big guys, Caden and Jaden. They were sitting. And so I think it's I think it's interesting. I wanna ask you, Rob, do you think that based off of this game, do you think Tony plays the freshman more than he might have wanted to or thought he would was going to based off I know it's one game, but you know, seeing what they can do and beating KK Mega on the fourth game, does that change, do you think, the way that the lineup's
1: gonna be built this season? I mean, it could. I mean, to be honest, I have no idea. I mean, I really don't know who red shirts. I, I mean, I have just had a tough time figuring it out because there's so many players. Um, But I certainly think it works to their favor. You know, I think McNeely showing out is a good thing. I think trout, you know, he had eight in the fourth game. I want to say he scored in double figures um, in the prior game, but you know, I really don't know. I mean, hopefully it means that Tony Bennett, whether by choice or because he's forced to, hopefully it means he'll be more flexible on some lineup combinations. And, you know, some years we've kind of toyed with lineups. Other years, like last year, we kind of ran the same starters the entire time. So maybe it means we'll get more creative in the non-conference slate. We do play some good non-conference teams, so we'll be tested. Um, But then, you know, against some of the easier ones, maybe there's a bit more room for experimenting as well. Mm-hmm. But honestly, that's a long way of saying, I, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think?
0: Well, I mean, we, yeah, we do not know. Uh, I think, I think it makes a tough decision because I, and we've, we've talked about this a little bit, how we think that, you know, you almost have to redshirt one, maybe two of the incoming freshmen for, for the future. Right. Because there's only so much playing time to go around we also have Vanderplas, who is not going to redshirt this year because he is graduating and can't play anymore. So he he's going to play, and I think he brings a lot to the table. Uh, you know, we've got our starting five from last year who are really experienced. Uh, they improved over the season, and I think that they're going to get their time. And you've got these four really talented freshmen. I think it – and we rarely – UVA really has this problem, but it's like how – how long can you sit them because of their talent? And I think it's also, you know, Tony doesn't play freshman for mainly defensive reasons a lot of the time. You know, I bring up this example all the time. Kyle and Ty really did not play a ton until about midway through the season. Uh, Kyle's big game against Cal, you know, came on a lot of offense, but he struggled defensively throughout. Much of his first year. It's the same with Ty. Ty's big game came against Villanova. It's kind of the the tie game, and we lost. But Ty tried to keep us in it. Um, But how long can Tony wait for their defense to catch up before he says we have to play them because of their versatility on offense, or you know, whatever?
1: Yeah, and. You know, the one thing I'd add, though, is it's a different world now with NIL, with one time transfer rule. Um, So the power really moves to the players. And Mm -hmm. this class seems to be really, you know, cohesive and together. You know, it seems like they've really bought into the Virginia way, which I think is awesome. And the way we are going to have to try to build our future future recruiting classes. Um, But, you know, not to say playing time decisions should necessarily be made on who might be a transfer risk, but you know, that is a risk that is now inherent in today's game with, especially with the underclassmen. So yeah. I don't know how that'll play into it, but I think it's going to be fascinating to see who potentially red shirts and what the lineup looks like. And Hey, I mean, if one of these freshmen can break the starting five, like let's see it, you know? Um, but I think McNeely, he, his shot could be really valuable for this team and, Trout is so versatile, I think he could be really valuable. Um, so anyway, I'm I'm curious to see how it goes.
0: Well, and Bond and Dunn too. I mean, they're they're big combo wing guards and they can I think they've got some ball handling. They can score, you know, in the highlights we've we've seen them go up for big dunks and blocks and whole bunch of stuff. So I I really you know what you said got me thinking too. It's almost a risk to redshirt someone at this point because they really have to buy in and the coach has to trust that they're going to not bolt after the season because they, they want to play more somewhere else, which they can. Um, yeah, it's just it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. And I'm excited for uh, the season to start.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, like, like we were saying, last year Tony Bennett kind of, he played with a smaller roster than he necessarily needed to because he was scared of transfer risk. I think they only played with like 10 scholarship guys last year, this year they're at 12, um, which is a bigger number, but then with a bigger number comes, you know, the risk that people could transfer and doesn't necessarily have to be freshmen either. Um, Anyone obviously could. So anyway, it's a different world, but I'm glad to see Tony Bennett being a bit more flexible with the lineup here. And, uh, yeah, I mean I think this this trip just further cements my excitement for the freshman class. I think it's probably yeah. my biggest takeaway.
0: You know, something to note as well. I don't think we mentioned this when we started talking about this, but when we lost to KK Mega the first game, it was the three it was three freshmen who said. It was Bond, yeah. Dunn, and Trout. And McNeely started that game. Not to say that he had anything to do with the loss, but you know, without those three guys we didn't win. And then the next game. So it makes you think a lot. And of course I'm, I'm guessing that Tony was playing with the lineup a lot. I'm guessing they did some, they did some situational stuff too, uh, in those, in those scrimmages. So I think I, cause there's so, the scrimmages are so flexible and you know, they had some refs, but you know, not really. And I, so I, it, we really don't know anything. And I think it's interesting. It's a it thought it's an interesting thought process to, to to think about, you know, what could this mean? It will probably ultimately mean nothing. Tony will probably do exactly what he's done for the past, you know, what, fifteen years or so. And he'll play the five guys we played last year. And the freshman will get some time, but not a ton. Probably red shirt one or two. And yeah, I hope they all stay because they all seem like really good kids and you know they're good players and so yeah we'll see what happens
1: yeah no i'm totally with you um yeah i don't know how to go but i'm definitely excited but i mean i wish they would i mean i think duke released like two of the games from their tour like i wish we could just see the games i mean i'd love to know how these lineups were actually played because you just really can't tell anything from the 60 second highlight clips they put out yeah but i'd love to be able to watch it
0: I think it was Arkansas who actually streamed their games on like the A- the SEC network or something.
1: I mean, I I understand why Tony Bennett doesn't necessarily want to do that, but yeah, I don't even know if the infrastructure exists in these gyms. <laughs> like, I know at least the first two games they didn't have AC in the gym, no. so it's like it's wild to think about. But yeah, Dude, I would yeah. have loved to see these games.
0: Dude, there was one picture from like their first game where they were in their locker room, and I. I did quotes locker room because it was like legit a, just a hallway. Like, yeah. there, was, there was like a bench and like the players were all crowded. Like there was like these 12 huge guys on this tiny bench and they were like two feet away from the coaches who were like in the room, in the hallway with them. It was really funny. And so yeah. it was like kind of the, you know, they are not used to that kind of stuff. They've got nice stuff at JPJ. And uh, so I think it's good. It's all for bonding. It's good. Uh, shared trauma is is uh, bonding <laughs>
1: material. So it's good. Yeah, no, totally. But um, yeah, hopefully it was a productive trip in their sense. Seems like it was. I think mm-hmm. it's great to end on a high note. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens come November.
0: Yeah, exactly. Rob, any last things to say about basketball, football, anything like that?
1: Nah, we're getting close to football. Less than two weeks out uh, till opening kickoff, so we've got our game by game preview coming up in the next episode. And uh, yeah, excited, excited to get the season underway, man.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. So with that, we're done. Thanks, Rob, for hopping on, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Hope the audio was better this time. I guess, I guess, when I edit it, we'll see what happens. Uh, I I do apologize again last time for for those who suffered through it. Um, but I we we appreciate that. Uh, but go ahead and make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Spot. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Snapchat for all the bonus content that Rob's gonna bring your way at Guys and Spot. You can also follow us on Spotify and iTunes if you like what you hear. And we'll see y'all probably definitely next week for some uh, full season football preview, which we definitely won't do it in a way that somehow it will end up that i will say we're gonna win 10 games (laughs) i will convince myself that we will win all these games which is what happened last year and year. it's okay i i try hard to be objective but i it's hard it's It's hard as a fan
1: (laughs) i think last year we were both we were like eight and four nine and three Mm -hmm. so we're probably gonna overshoot but we'll see
0: you got i think like the first six or seven games, correct? Last year,
1: I'd have to re-listen. I don't know.
0: <laughs> hey, you know, you know what I thought it was. We were the correct. Um, you were the correct. Uh, uh, record after like eight weeks or so, but okay. the games were wrong. Like the like you didn't think we'd win against Miami. And you thought maybe we'd beat someone else. Yeah,
1: so. I think I thought we'd beat Wake Forest. So yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but great talking to you. I'll see you next week. And as always, go Hoos. Go Hoos.